0: Welcome back to Ryan Reviews the Universe, bringing you the best takes for the best times for you, the best people. This week, you're basic if you don't know about the pH scale ranking. Noah and I are gonna give you a primer on the only movie rating system you'll ever need. And I saw a Pacers game or two a while back. Trust me, 96 minutes of viewership has turned me into a Benny Math and Halliburton expert. In the spirit of that, we'll discuss who's hot and who's not in the NBA. And lastly, underdogs despair as Croatia and Morocco are booted from the World Cup. We're left with a matchup that pits Mbappe against Messi as a meager consolation prize. I'm sure we've got some thoughts on that. In perpetuity, I'm your host, Ryan Mason-Kepin. With me this week is my good friend, Noah. Welcome back, my dude. How are you feeling?
1: Pretty good, Ryan. We're here. IRL recording an episode of Ryan Reviews the Universe. Uh, it's definitely a lot different than doing it, you know, uh, over the internet. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, normally, we are well, well away and are different. I don't know. I, I record in my room most of the time. Are you just in your house or yep. somewhere like that? Yeah. Well this week we're gonna be talking about the pH scale ranking. It's the way I review movies. I did I tell you about this the first day we met?
1: I don't know if it was the first day we met, but I do have to say that it's the pH scale movie rating is perhaps one of the greatest creations your mind has ever come up with, Ryan? That's a
0: very low bar.
1: I can't lie. I, you know... I used to be just a normal NPC, Ryan. You know, I used to to rate movies one to (laughs) ten. I used to rate movies one to ten like an NPC, and then, you know, you introduced me to the negative seven to seven scale. You introduced many of our other friends, and, you know, I've passed the scale on to other people, and I think... It's like it, a virus. It, almost, it makes more sense than any other scale, and I think once everyone hears it, they'll also agree with it.
0: You're making me blush. But let's get into it. So the first rule is that the scale is from negative 7 to 7, where 0 is the worst rating, which begs the question, like, what is a negative 7? So the second rule is n- the 7 represents a movie that is so bad, it is good. The classic example, it's almost like the platonic ideal of... A negative seven. It's the room.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The room is the perfect negative seven.
1: So bad it's good.
0: So bad it's good. Third rule is that you can only use whole numbers. This isn't like Dave Portnoy. No decimals re- over here. No decimals over here. Not like Dave Portnoy reviewing pizza. And I prefer the seven over the ten as it forces you to say whether a movie is overall good or overall bad. It's either overall bad in the zero to three, or I guess the zero to negative three, or overall good from four to seven, or overall bad good from negative four to negative seven. Um, Lastly, a movie can exist on both sides of the scale. For example, I think that like Frozen 2 is simultaneously maybe like a negative three and a three. So like it's sometimes trying to be a good movie and it's sometimes trying to be a bad good movie. Like there, there are some songs in there that are like, almost like post I don't know. I, it's a weird, weird flag. I watch too many weird stuff because, uh, not that that's weird, but just like younger <laughs> kids movies because I have younger siblings. Okay, so we're gonna go through examples of negative seven to one. And then we've got a couple examples of the negatives, but generally getting examples for negative movies are, it's more difficult than getting examples for positive integers.
1: For the negative scale, Ryan, you know, I kind of think of, think of any like sleepover you had in middle school or high school, and you guys are up way too late, and you're just surfing through Netflix to try and find like, like cheesy horror movies. Yep. Usually fall into this negative scale. Like, um, we watched this movie called Zombie Beaver in high school about a zombie beaver. I love it. Easy negative four because. Going into the movie, you know it's going to be terrible just off the cover art and the movie being called Beaver Like, you know exactly what you're getting. It's a zombie beaver.
0: Is there you... only one Beaver or is there a
1: horde no, of zombie No, it's, it's a pack. It's a okay. pack of zombies. Gotcha, gotcha. Come gotcha. on. And you know it's going to be terrible. You know you're going to laugh. That's all you want out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say, remember that, like, string of, uh, like, mid-2000s where we were getting bad parodies of movies? You know, like, not another teenage movie? You remember that? That's like a negative three. So like any kind of like, any movie where you know it's going to be terrible, where the acting's not going to be great, where the budget wasn't the highest, but you're going to laugh, you're going to have a good time watching it, that's a negative to me.
0: I feel like a lot of horror movies in general, and also video game movies, are just gold mines for the negative integers. Yes. But let's get started with talking about like a seven. So like a seven is not like a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. This isn't some platonic ideal of the movie. It's just a flick that has a combination of great acting, great screenplay, great directing, and sometimes and oftentimes with artistic, cultural or historical importance. The Godfather is a really good example. Moonlight, I would also put as a seven. Hearted, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke. Um, I'm trying to think any other sevens off the top of my head. Ratatouille, of course. Rango. Rango. Goodfellas. It, Rango's is either yeah a six or a seven.
1: Hotel Grand Hotel Budapest Hotel.
0: Hotel Budapest Hotel.
1: Yep. Yeah, and I think seven is better because if you're rating your movies off a one to ten scale, I feel like there's a lot of pressure assigning a ten to a movie where that pressure is not the same giving a movie a seven. Yeah,
0: there's no there's no pressure giving a movie a 7. There there are a lot of 7s. This isn't some kind of bell curve rating where you have to put all of the movies in the 4-3 to three range and then only like the top 3% end up as 7s. If it's a good movie, it's a 7. Uh, 6 on the other hand is a good movie but it's got like some kind of flaw. Someone has a bad performance. Um, the plot might be not as good as you would have hoped but it's Overall, just a amazing flick. Oh, the examples we came up with include Top Gun Maverick, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, and then L.A. Confidential. I would put all three of those movies as six. Any other examples off the top of your head?
1: I feel like we could have made this entire scale, rhyme just off the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. I'm have, trying, they made, have they made that many movies, at least?
0: I think there's at least five. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know... Jeez, I've only seen the first three and honestly, I enjoyed all three of the first the first three uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies. For movies that are rated number five, the examples that we chose were My Neighbor Totoro and because Noah thinks that's too deep a cut, um, I guess we will also
1: put Spider-Man 2 as a five. I've never seen My Neighbor Totoro, never even heard of it. It's a Miyazaki film. Come on. Leave a comment in the chat if you've seen My favorite
0: <laughs> Hopefully, we've got some Miyazaki fans in the chat. Um, at f- movies that are four, so four is kind of like right at the border. When you're talking about fours or threes, three is overall it's bad. Four, it's overall it's good.
1: A four to me is a movie that I enjoyed watching. But it has obvious flaws, and I, I wouldn't find myself probably re-watching that movie. Um, the examples we have for four are Detective Pikachu and Stewart Detective Pikachu, I think, is a pretty good four because it's a good watch upon first watch. It's a decent movie, but I have absolutely no desire to ever re-watch Detective Pikachu. Uh, we also have Stuart Little on number four. Just examples of a movie that's solid, but I don't need to rewatch. No. <laughs> you know, once you watch Stuart Little once, I think you really get the gist of the movie. And I think
0: James Cameron's first Avatar is also a four because while it is significant from a technological standpoint, when we're talking about CGI and just the artistic vision of that movie, the plot is very cookie-cutter. I don't remember any of the characters' names except for Jake Sully because that's just a meme. Therefore -4. I mean no, not -4, four, 4. Honestly,
1: Honestly actually, I think you... I think I would have Avatar in my negatives over the positive. I think Avatar just for the CGI and how, you know, revolutionary it was for the time is insane. But yeah. the plot, the acting, it's all dog shit like you should if a movie is a negative four you probably should see it but i'm just laughing at avatar the entire time um you know after the initial wave of you being like you you know you admiring the cgi in the movie for the time that it came out Mm -hmm. Um,
0: our example for a three is kong skull island I kind of enjoyed this movie, but it was kind of, it was all over there with the plot. None of the human characters were likable for the with the exception of John C. Riley. And he would maybe only got seven, ten minutes of screen time. Kongskull Island, I'll put it out as a three.
1: Yeah, and that's a movie where they're trying to make a good movie. Yeah. Like they're trying to make a blockbuster a f- type film. When you just look at the cast, you know, Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Tom Hiddleston, John Goodman, John C. Riley, like their aim, their goal here is to make a movie that people will really like. And, you know, there's obvious flaws in the movie. So I do think a three is pretty accurate for that. And um, would you say the distinction, Ryan, between three and four is like. You know, 4 is a movie that I would probably seek out to watch if someone told me it was a 4. Whereas a 3, like, you know, if Kong Skull Island is playing on TNT one weekend, I might turn it on to TNT and start watching it. But I don't know if I'd ever, like, be picking out to watch a movie and I'm like, ooh, Kong Skull Island. See, I don't
0: think I would seek out a 4 or a 3. Like, I think a movie would have to be at least a 5 for me to seek it out. 4 is like a movie that you see once and you might recommend begrudgingly to people, but a three is the movie that you would see once and be like, you don't need to see it. Like, just wait till I don't know, AMC will have other things in theaters in a couple months, don't worry about it. So for two, uh, we've discovered that every single third movie in a franchise is a two. Ocean's 13, two. Shrek the third, two. Spider-Man 3, the Tobey Maguire one, two. Every third in a trilogy is just a two. It's just the facts of life.
1: Yeah. I, I You know, you're we sitting here trying to come up with twos, and Ryan and I, at the same exact time, he comes up with Shrek 3, I come up with Spider-Man 3. We already have Ocean's 13, you know. Godfather 3 might be worse than a two, but could fall into a two, depending on, you know, who you're talking I, to. I wouldn't
0: put Ocean... I mean, I wouldn't put Godfather three at a one it's not it's not that bad godfather three i would mm-hmm. put out a two because one a one is your suicide squad a one is your holmes and watson oh my god
1: we just really offended a holmes you, and watson fan
0: the only one in existence they hopefully. were like hmm. and we're honestly they happy said, we're happy you're
1: mad they said why didn't they put holmes and watson in six or seven I really <laughs> didn't think it would fall that far
0: Oh, jeez. At a one, you're thinking about walking out of a theater. You're turning off the TV and switching it to something else. Ones are not enjoyable.
1: You're angry you just had to take your kids to go see Holmes and Watson in theaters. Get out of here. You just spent 50 bucks on Holmes and Watson. (laughs) So for zero, I can't think of a zero. So here's the thing with me and zero, Ryan, is I actually think that zero wouldn't denote that it's like the worst movie ever in my mind zero would be a movie that is so neutral to where it could go either side so say like like i think you rating a movie a one or a two is like means like zero would be above that like so a movie that's a zero would be better than a movie that is a one or because- a two
0: like it's impressive that they were trying to. Like I'll just say be it. That bad. And
1: people probably, I know Ryan won't agree with this. I don't agree with this. But at I all. think Napoleon Dynamite is a zero, to where I think it can go either way. I think you can think Napoleon Dynamite is so bad that it's good, or you just think it's a bad movie. Like you think it's a one through three, or you think it's like a negative whatever through whatever. Um, but I actually think that it, you giving a movie a zero means it's better than like a one or a two.
0: I think that a zero is just a movie that is just objectively, it has to be worse than Suicide Squad. But if it's worse than something like Suicide Squad, it's kind of like, it treads into, instead of so good it's bad, it's so, I mean, so bad it's good, it treads into so bad it's art. So, at some point, have you seen Freddy Got Fingered? You're yeah i
1: think sh- i watched that last night <laughs> shut up
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> freddie
0: got fingered might be a zero because it's like dadaist it could it's either a negative seven or a zero i don't know i can't i can't put a hard call on any real zero for negatives we don't have any real examples Again, except for The Room... Just go look at Netflix. Yeah. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Any Netflix rom-com except for Set It Up. Or horror. Or horror movie. Um, The Room is the classic example of a negative seven. The Street Fighter movie and the Ghost Rider Nick Cage, we agreed, were uh, negative sixes. (laughs) And like we said, just... Cheap thrill horror movies and video game movies litter
1: the negatives, in, like the good negatives. You know, in this sense, like a negative six is like a movie like Ghostwriter, Nick Cage. If I was hanging out with someone, and they had not seen that, I'd be like, "We should watch this because it's so absurd that like you need to see this." Oh my
0: gosh, I forgot another another negative six, Sword Fighter. So sword no, is it Sword Fighter or Swordfish? It's Swordfish. It's starring. Don Cheadle, Hugh Jackman, um, Halle Berry, and who, who's the guy from Pulp
1: Fiction? John Travolta. John
0: Travolta. There's, there's a scene in that movie where Don Cheadle and Hugh Jackman are wrestling, and they fall down a hill for two minutes. Two minutes, <laughs> Noah. <laughs> Like and it's just cut after cut after cut and they're still rolling and you're like when does this end there's other crazy things that go on in that film but yeah swordfish negative 6 what did I call it before? swordfighter
1: <laughs> a lot of Nick Cage movies we should make a negative 7 to 7 just only Nick Holden Cage Nick movies
0: Cage. where
1: would you put Lord of War
0: never seen Lord of War? No. get out of here Okay, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the rating. Negative seven to seven. It's either negative seven is good, bad. Just straight seven is just a straight up good movie. If it's around a two, a one, a negative one, a negative two, or a zero, it's just not good at all. That's the that's the pH rating. We're gonna move on. Talk about the NBA for a bit. Um, I had some time to watch some shooty hoops, and I saw the Pacers lose to the Timberwolves and then defeat the Nets. I I think they're very
1: hot and cold this year. Thoughts, Noah? You know, the Pacers are very interesting, Ryan, because we were supposed to be tanking this season. You know, we were supposed to be... We jumped the gun, right? We, We were too good to tank. We, you know, people... Myself, I thought we were going to be... I knew we were going to be good just because of how good of a player that Tyrese Halliburton is. And we're going to be good until we trade Miles Turner or Buddy Heald. Um, and then once you know they're gone, we will probably be closer to the team we actually are, which is you know a team fighting for the play-in. Um, and the Pacers in all sense do not want to make the playoffs this year. Um, it does us no benefit, really, to actually make the playoffs when we're rebuilding. Um, we really want a, you know, top five, top six draft pick. At this point, win Benyama probably will not be happening for the Pacers just because, you know, we're already doubling the win total of some of the bottom teams in the league, like the Hornets, the Pistons, the Spurs, the Rockets. Um, it's going to be pretty hard to catch those teams because they are actively tanking for the number one pick. Um But this Pacers team actually is quite entertaining to watch, Ryan. Just a sneaky, great team, and I think that really all has to do a lot with Tyrese Halliburton. He's brought in this sort of, like, unselfishness to the team that the Pacers needed. Does he Um, still lead the league in assists? I don't know if he leads the league in assists, but he is averaging, averaging almost 11 assists a game which is honestly nutty. At one point, he had 40 straight assists in a row with zero turnovers. Not something that happens every day. If I had to give a player comp to Tyrese Halburn, you know, he really reminds me of a Steve Nash type player, which is one of the highest compliments you could get for a point guard, honestly. And um, He's even made guys who typically in the past, like a guy like Buddy Heald, has been a selfish player, hasn't been the best teammate. And even Buddy Heald, you know, on a rebuilding team where... That's not really where Buddy Heald wants to be at in his career, but he's kind of bought into, you know, what Tyrese and what Rick Carlisle brought to the team. So the Pacers are a great team to watch, but they're winning too many games for me to, like, be happy. Like, I wanted us to tank.
0: Yeah, they played against the Kings in a matchup that uh, pitted players on both sides against former teammates. Sabonis used to play for the Pacers. Halliburton and Heald used to play for the Kings, I think. Who won the trade? The Kings won the game, 114-137. Kings are looking the best they've been over the past decade or so, but they also traded power now for power in the future.
1: Yeah, so the thing with that trade was <clears throat> the, Kings, the Kings were making the trade for Sabonis to win now, and the Pacers were making the trade to be good in the future. And it's seemingly working out for both teams. Kings, you know, are where they want to be. Currently, they're 15 and 12, which through 25 games, that's probably the best start the Kings have had in at least a decade, honestly. And, you know, they want to make the playoffs, Ryan. Right? I, I believe the Kings right now currently have, like, the longest active streak in the four major leagues, sport leagues in America of not being in the playoffs. Um, they want to break that curse. They have to. You know, they need to fill seats. um, And trading a Bonus has made them a very solid team. But the Pacers won the trade. You know, there were questions this year, before this year started, if Tyrese Halberden, you know, was a true franchise kind of player that you could build a team around. And I think those questions have been absolutely stomped into the ground. Tyrese Halberden is a bona fide all-star in this league. Probably going to start in the all-star game. So the Pacers win the trade, but honestly, both teams probably get a B plus here for me because the Kings made the trade with a purpose and it's working out.
0: So win-win scenario. To my uninformed eyes, Boston have to be the favorites to win all this year. You've got Jason Tatum averaging 31, 8, and 4. Jalen Brown not far behind him and four other guys on the roster averaging at least 10 points per game. Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, and Derek White. Thoughts on the Celtics?
1: I think most people knew the Celtics were going to be good this season. The you know whole email Udoka situation that happened earlier in the summer, I didn't really think was going to have an impact because you know the Celtics are just bigger than a coach at this point. And the Celtics were actually one of my favorite over under win total bets before the season started because I think people forget that pre All Star break last season the Celtics were absolutely dreadful they were one of the worst defending teams in the league, and they were they were really, 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 you know, going under their expectations for what people thought they would be. There was even, you know rumors that should we break up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like, can this work? And then, you know, post all star break last season, they really turned the defense on, basically ended up having the best defense in the league for the entire second half of the season and most of the playoffs. And they're really just picking right up where they left off last season um the defense is good but not even to the level where they're they were at last year and they're 22 and 7 with basically an average defense so if the celtics ever decide to play defense they're going to be you know absolutely diabolical on the court that's not a word diabolical I yeah, yeah, yeah yeah there yeah. you go got there in the end uh but malcolm brogdon had actually been really helping out the uh celtics i think he was actually the most important pickup of the off season and there's certainly a team to watch out for. I think uh, right now it's a contest between the Celtics and the Bucks to for who the best team in the league are.
0: Mm-hmm. Any other teams we should keep an eye on other than the Bucks that you just previously mentioned?
1: I would keep an eye on the Pelicans, currently leading the West, tied with the Memphis Grizzlies for the best record at 18 and 9. Zion Williamson is doing, you know, everything that people thought he could be. Just an absolute monster for the Pelicans, currently averaging 25 points, 7.5 rebounds, 4 assists on pretty fantastic shooting splits. Uh, my man's is shooting 62% from 2-point land right now. And the Pelicans, again, were a team where I bet their total win over-under at 44.5. Where the season before, they only won 36 games, and you're thinking, wow, is this team really 8 games better and I made that entire bet on Zion being the player that people thought he would be, and he is 100% smashing those expectations currently. Um, the Pelicans are also just an insanely deep team. You know, we're talking Zion, Brandon Ingram, C.J., Jonas onchunas as their big pieces, but then off, off to the side, you know, they have Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, one of the best defenders in the NBA, Jose Alvarado, Larry Nance Jr., Dyson Daniels, who they haven't really even unleashed yet, Devonte Graham. I think this team is absolutely could finish as the best team in the West and I wouldn't want to match up with the Pelicans because Zion is just a game wrecker and the West is also very very like confusing right now to where you know no one's really peeking their head out as like the best team in the league whereas in the East you can see it with the Celtics and the Bucks so the West is going to be very competitive all year and I think that's a great recipe for the Pelicans to sneak potentially into a finals here
0: i'm really liking seeing the pelicans good and really enjoying seeing zion thrive as well there was a point in time where i was worried that despite going first overall in the draft injuries and other issues would kind of get the better of him but having this little renaissance for him is just a delight to watch other teams that i'm personally watching a bit. As more of a casual fan, I enjoy watching the Mavericks and Luka Doncic. He's, his game is fun to watch. I enjoy watching Dallas. Just as, like if my Pacers aren't on, I'll, I'll I'll watch a Mavs game here and there. That kind of deal. And it's probably too early to start thinking about MVPs, but... Current frontrunners, other than, I would say, Jean Morant. I would say Doncic. I would say Giannis. I would say... Um, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, obviously. I, um, Zion Zion as well, you'd say? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I just also want to talk about the Golden State Warriors, Ryan. All right, let's hear it. They are currently 14-15, 10th seed in the West. Don't they have a terrible away record? They are 2-13 and 13 on the road, <sighs> leaving their home record to be 12-3. and three. But they are absolutely dreadful on the road right now. Which I actually, it's interesting because like, how much do you buy into either A, they're just playing bad on those given nights, or B, they really just can't play on the road? Like how much is playing away from the chase arena really a factor?
0: It's got to be just, they can't play away right now. It's too absurd to think otherwise. I don't know. It's honestly astounding how good their home form is and how dross, how disgusting their away.
1: That's honestly that's that what that's kind of what makes me think that this is just a bit more like them being unlucky than them, you know, actually having a problem winning at the road. I think as the season goes on, it will more balance out and they'll have more home losses, kind of deal. Yeah, Um, because. I don't think they're that bad of a team. I think the Warriors will be a buyer at the trade deadline, actually. Um, you know, last season, Ryan, they had guys like uh, Gary Payton II and, you know, like Otto Porter Jr., guys who played pretty big minutes for them, that they let go in the offseason that they could have paid, but they decided to bet on their young guys, guys like Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody... Uh, James Wiseman and right now those young guys aren't really working out for them James Wiseman has been sent down to the G League and he can't even put up numbers in the G League you know Jonathan Kaminga has been good but at the end of the day he's still just a 19 year old I think they're going to be buyers I think they're going to potentially move James Wiseman and you know a draft pick for a guy like a Jakob Purtle from the Spurs I definitely think the Warriors know they need to make a move and I would expect them to make a move closer to the trade deadline Gotcha,
0: and we'll ask you about that if that comes up. Lastly, we've got some World Cup stuff. Um, good job on our soccer correspondent Jacob. He went seven for eight in the round of sixteen matchups. I went, I think I went five for eight. So I had, I I had to pick Japan. I had to pick Switzerland. You know, you
1: gotta, you know, they were the feel good teams.
0: They were the feel good teams exactly. Alas, we. Watched Morocco and Croatia lose, and now we've got a PSG versus PSG final. Two of their superstars have made it. Who are you picking?
1: This is tough. This is tough. Because okay,
0: let's. I'll tell you who my heart wants, and I'll tell you who my brain wants because
1: they're two separate teams. And I think it's the same for you, right? Yeah, I mean, my heart wants Messi to win the World Cup. Absolutely, it's as simple as that. It's the last thing Messi needs before he can, you know. Leave Europe, come to enter Miami. Uh, <laughs> enter Miami. <laughs> it's, it's the last thing Messi has to do. Um, I would say this tournament run that Argentina has been on so far is probably the most impressive we've seen Argentina play during the Messi time. You know, they beat a very good Croatia team handedly. Croatia had came into that tournament hot. Argentina sit them down 3 0. They beat a very strong Netherlands team. And the thing for me, Ryan, is they're not just beating these teams you know, solely off of their talent, but they actually, you know, their coach has actually been making very good strategic decisions against Netherlands. He goes to the back three because he saw what Netherlands had done to the USA in the game previous. And, you know, you can say whatever you want about the USA, but um, Argentina neutered Netherlands. They absolutely, you know, neutrified their attack based off of a strategic decision. So that gives me more faith for when they're going up against the best team and France, who is absolutely on fire as well. The and, problem
0: with France, though, is that you just shut down one part of the field, and then it's like a hydra, almost. You've got two other problems that emerge. I'm trying to think. England completely neutralized Mbappe, and then that leaves Theo Hernandez and Giroud just like waiting to pounce on any opportunity that they have.
1: And my boy and Antoine, Antoine Griezmann, Griezmann, who's been having the tournament, tournament. of a decade. Antoine Griezmann is playing so well for the French right now, and no one's, I feel like, is really even talking about it. He won man of the match last game. Yeah, I mean, you could argue he's won man of the match every game, but that's just me. (laughs) Um, You know, my heart wants Messi to win this World Cup. I really do. But if I was a betting man, I'd probably say France wins this game, just because the Argentina defense certainly has its holes. And... France showed us in that last Morocco game, Ryan, that they are willing to, you know, sit back, soak up pressure and just hit you on the counterattack with a one man Mbappe. And usually that works because he's pretty fast if you guys don't know.
0: He is, yes. I remember seeing that run against was it directly against Hakimi, I think? He just come completely sprints down the left line and he's just He's a very, very fast man. And this puts him at going to two World Cups and winning two World
1: Cups. That's why I nice. I wouldn't be... I, w- I would be sad if Messi didn't win, but I think it would also be very cool to see a team back-to-back World Cups because it hasn't happened in like 60 years. Yeah, And it also lines us up for...
0: A A potential France three here.
1: and Mbappe just cements himself as one of the greatest soccer players of all time in like his fifth season of you know top league soccer. Because he's gonna absolutely destroy the World Cup goal tally. Wait, fifth season? I don't know. That was just a guess. Okay.
0: Because he was at Monaco. Anyways, we'll we'll fact check that.
1: Monaco for two, PSG for three.
0: He's got to. Was he at Monaco for the first World Cup? I think I don't think so we'll fact check that later um,
1: <laughs> don't fact check anything no no say, no we don't no, I
0: there is a for the original Ryan Reviews of the Universe I remember putting out a retraction on how many endangered penguin species there were <laughs> Surf's Up by the way is every single rating no Surf's Up where are we going to put Surf's Up? It
1: transcends the negative <laughs> 7 to 7. It's yeah. true.
0: Surf's Up is the greatest movie of all time.
1: It goes negative 7 to 7, Surf's Up, and then Chicken Joe. Chicken Joe. You mean Chicken Run? No, Chicken Joe's. Oh,
0: Chicken Joe's chicken. the chicken. is. <laughs> this okay. guy
1: claims to be a Surf's Up fan. Yeah,
0: my bad. All right. Um, <laughs> final score for the Argentina versus France game. I can go first if you need some time.
1: Yeah, go first. 2-1, France. I'm going 3-2, France. But they score in extra time. It goes, it's 2-all after 90. France scores in the first half of extra time. 107 minutes.
0: Three of the past, that would make it three of the past four World Cups going to extra time. Because the Spanish one went to extra time... And yes to getting the goal Germany versus Argentina went to extra time the only goal scored was um, Then I think who was that? Who scored the last goal in the Argentina-Germany game? Wow. Uh, that, that's right. That's right. It's just finals except for the last one, which it was a bit of a goal fest at 4-2. to two. Most of the time they're not
1: people. That, they play more reserved they because do play they're more scared desired. because yep. they rightfully
0: should be. Yeah, this is true. This is
1: true. Like if I was an Argentina player that's not Messi, I would be shitting my pants right now. Because how can you not? You have to imagine like a guy like Julian Alvarez. Messi is his idol, and he's playing next to his idol. Well, Julian Alvarez, though. With the chance to win him a World Cup title. He's kind
0: of having a dummy World Cup.
1: He is, because he gets to play next to Messi.
0: There are four players who have an outside chance of getting golden boot. It's Mbappe, it's Julian Alvarez, and it's Olivier Giroud. So he's in good company. Yeah. He's kept a very, very cool head for how young he is. That's, that's exciting. A um, lot of other fun stuff. Noah, thank you so much for coming on to the pod. He's got a podcast himself. It's called Bench Chatter. Do you want to plug that for a hot second?
1: Um, yeah, it's a fantasy basketball slash real basketball podcast. I know Ryan and I just talk movies and soccer, but, uh, NBA and basketball in general is probably the thing that I know the best. Um, so if you want some more of that, I co-host it with one of my friends from college, Colin, um, check us out bench chatter, B N C H C H A T T E R. Um, you can find us on Twitter at bench underscore chatter. And yeah, thanks for having me on Ryan. This was a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. And this is Ryan reviews the universe bringing you the best takes for the best times for you the best people you can find us at our instagram at ryan reviews the universe or feel free to give us any questions comments or insults at ryan reviews the universe at gmail.com see you guys soon